Mira la izquierda. Mira la derecha. ¿Qué ves? ¿Dónde estás? In a world that seems to change daily, what will you do next? Welcome to the Next Steps Show with Peter Vasquez and co-host Aisha Kreutz. A starting point for discussion y un poco de dirección. Bienvenidos. Hi. Y welcome al show Next Steps, un show con una misión para educar, unir y hacer sinergia. It's me, Peter Vasquez, and... Aisha Kreitz. My homegirl. What's up, Aisha? Not much. How you doing? Man, it's been like forever that I've seen you. I know. It's like a reunion almost. Oh, no, wait. It was last night. No, <laughs> That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, they see each other 12 times a week. And as a reminder, my wife's name is Christine Dima Vasquez, who happens to be running for family court. Just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> really? Wife, oh, you know, I think I mentioned this before. My wife says, you know, you and Aisha are such good friends. And you guys argue so much, you need to remind people who's your wife. <laughs> <laughs> He's my friend because I can I punch him. How, how's Mr. Matthew? How's Matt doing? Oh, he's doing great. And the girls? Um, well, you know, they're teenagers, so, you know, 17 and 18. Yay. Say no That's more. all I have for that right now. Um, the wait till they turn 23. But Matt is almost done editing uh, his book, so that should be out. Untamed Fury 2? No. Well, actually, he's doing Untamed Fury 3, so he's wants to finish it before he puts out the second book because people were asking so much about the second he, one. He should so. have done the whole Star Wars thing where he started with uh, uh, with the last chapter, you know, and kind of worked <laughs> it backwards. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Kreutz wrote a wonderful book that I got the opportunity to be able to review first? his very first book. So make sure you look at the back cover for my little... My little, oh, that's, my little what, comment. that's why you brought it up. He wanted Absolutely. to be like, hey, I got a blurb on the back of the book. Yeah. I'm a book critic now. Yeah, that's right. I mean, one book. Yeah. How many has he sold? Two? No, he I'm sold quite a few and, and all five that's stars. Nice. I know, right? So and it, all five star reviews, by the yes, way. He does. On Amazon, you can check it out. And he's but gotten anyway. reviewed by some very, very, very good pe people that actually read yes, it and, yes. and do an analysis and say, hey, this is what we think. Yeah, so, so check it out. It's on Amazon. Yeah, if you're tired of listening to uh, or reading books that are by pinko commies that hate you, uh, Untamed Fury by Matt Kreitz is probably uh, a really good book for you. Um, you but, see Cuomo's trying to get back in the... Oh, is he? No, I did not see uh, that. Isn't he suing the AG? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did see that, yeah. I guess he wants back in the picture. Anyways, you keep saying but and I keep interrupting you. Oh, that's all right. You know, I'm used to it. Um, so... <laughs> Well, I was just going to say, you know, our show, you know, where we talk about faith, politics, and entrepreneurship. Um, we have a great guest today. Yes, we do. You know, this is our fourth show. And for our fourth show, we have somebody who I think is pretty dynamic and pretty unique. Yeah. We don't know. We'll see eye to eye and all and everything. I think she's great. But I'm, I think she's phenomenal. And, and you know, when we talk about... I've been about, following her for a long time and trying to link up with her here and there on so projects. She has such high energy that one day I was watching the news and I'm like, I've got to know more about her. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is the Honorable Beatrice LeBron, Commissioner and Vice President of the Rochester City School District Board of Education. Yeah. Although, you know, when you got... Hi, Beatrice. Hi. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's our honor. Yeah, feel free to jump in any time. Okay. We're Absolutely. crazy. As I was preparing for this show... I was reading an article about you uh, during the, uh, uh, the the title of the article I had to do when you were elected uh, uh, as vice president. 
said you were too ghetto to be vice president. What? What was yeah. that about? Um, actually, that stems from like a long-term um, disagreement, if you will, with the longest-serving board member who's been there really for more than 24 years. A lot of people don't know that she was on the board for four years, then wasn't reelected, and then got elected for another 24 years now. And so mm-hmm. when you have someone who's been on a board for almost three decades, um, especially for a district that's been failing for a long time, um, and you call them out, yeah, you're not going to have a good relationship with them. Yeah. And nobody should be on for that long anyway. Especially when it comes to education. Absolutely yeah. not. You know, I'll tell you, if I could if I could change one thing, if, if, if God came down and said, what's your one wish, and I'll grant This it. is not, he's not, he's being okay, hypothetical. Okay, Go ahead. Of course I'm being hypothetical. Okay, go ahead, because this I would is take not what pilot, he'd ask God, but go I, ahead. I, I would take, I ask God every day. I'm like, God. No, I'm saying whatever you're going to say, I know Please make it be. so that education and our judicial process has no politics governing who gets elected or put that into those positions. That would be the positions. one thing that you would say? That would be the one thing. Not sin, but that. Okay. Well, right. just, but, but listen, though. That would lead towards the reduction of a lot of corruption, and I would hope so. I mean, just think, if if, if an educator no, I agree with or, the or you know, premise. A, a, a I hear what you're saying. I was just saying, okay, I don't just really think. Sure. Well, that all that produce would be sin. It, guys. <laughs> but I agree 100% that if we could take those things out of it, we would definitely be able to get a lot further. But, I mean, that's the plan. Uh, hopefully most people that are listening know that, right? That uh, part of the, if you can divide people out in anything, it doesn't matter. Anytime you can categorize people out in any particular subgroup, you are always going to be able to control them in one way or another just from that alone. So, you know, isn't that what we see yeah. going on now? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, you know that there's only about 104,000 students countywide. And only like what twenty five thousand in the city school district. Twenty five thousand in the city school district, and another six thousand that were responsible to do um, transportation and special education for either in a charter or a private parochial school. But the district is still responsible for their special education and for their transportation, which a lot of people don't know that. But um, interestingly enough, the reason we're responsible for it is because of urban suburban. Right, because if we there's a, a law in New York State for transportation that says if you do for one student you have to do for all, and when the district started urban suburban as an opportunity to kind of um, engage and integrate, if you will, for kids in the city to go to suburban school districts, um, that opens up the door legally requires us to provide transportation for kids who live in the city that go to charter schools and private parochial. And as well, part of that is the. Um, because the money flows through the Board of Education, and so they kind of control it. Because New York, not all states are like that. A lot of them, there are separate pots of money so that the district doesn't actually control the money. No, um, no, every no, every school. Not in, in New York, but in other states, that's not always that's not no, the case. Almost every board. I'm actually part of a school board fellowship with, so I get to like learn and serve with other school board members across urban school districts across the states. Um, every school board is legally responsible financially for their school districts. I thought there was. I know there's one in Chicago that they Chicago don't. Is, they don't have to. They don't get their money through the actual 
So Chicago School Board still is responsible for hmm. their budget, but Chicago is unique because they've actually have always been a mayoral appointment school board. I have two school board members in my fellowship okay. are, who are Chicago. Um, so they have always been a mayoral control school district. And they're so not elected, in other words. They're not elected. Yeah. They're only appointed through the mayor. Which is um, a concerning gotcha. issue in itself. By wait, the way. wait, oh, yeah, hold that on. Could go either way, right? Actually, Depending on who's the mayor and how great they are or lack of greatness. If, um, actually, I, I, before we get too far into it, um, can you tell us or everyone a little bit just, you know, brief synopsis of school board, what the actual responsibilities are, that type of thing? You know, brief little education here, PSA, yeah. everybody, <laughs> uh, so that, you know, people understand like what you are responsible for, not responsible for, how much is um, especially in, in New York um, dictated by the state. You know, th- you got that. Yeah. Yeah. So school board members in the state of New York are primarily responsible for driving policy in the schools. And then also the biggest, second biggest one is budgets, um, the finance piece. And then the third is hiring and supervising the superintendent. So, you know, it's interesting because I just had this conversation with my own colleagues like, hey, we only supervise directly. Um, the superintendent, she's the, the, or she or he could be like our, they're the main employee that we have. Now for our school district, our size, we do have a, a small board staff of three people. Um, we are legally required to also have a board clerk to run the meetings, hold minutes and that type of stuff. Um, but our, our biggest, most important employee is the superintendent. And I say that because we're in a transitional period right now, and I um, can't get into the details because we're still in negotiations by law. But what I will say is that um, just having the conversation with my colleagues to remind them that the people under the superintendent are direct reports to the superintendent. They're not direct reports to the board. So it's still that person's in charge of the day-to-day operations of the the system and the administration, um, and that's their administration. She's our superintendent. That's our employee. But everything else has to really go through a systemic way of, like, hierarchy of supervisors. And we're not it. So it's kind of like... there is a lot of misconception that we are. We're not. Right. So it's kind of like if you think executive director type of thing. And if you're looking at private sector, right, you know, private sector and putting that in, I just wanted to help people to see that. Um, And then as well, when you're talking about the budget, though, itself and being in or, or policy... It's the board that makes the policy and the superintendent that implements it, or is it your superintendent? Yeah, so we have what we call um, resolutions. So the policies are passed through a process called resolutions, and then the administration has like a secondary part of that resolution, which dictates how that policy is going to be implemented. I, I had a quick question. Uh, I got the, and I got the okay from Peter to jump in and ask this question too. So I, I have my permission slip. So uh, so, so Beatrice, uh, you got twenty five thousand students in the in the uh, in the district. You're responsible for what was it three thousand more, six thousand uh, more, six thousand more. more. Okay. Uh, in the central office, there are five hundred administrators. I just wanted to get your comment on that. Um, so let me just say, we don't actually have 500 administrators in central office. Um, that would be absolutely insane. Let me just be clear. So I reports to that effect. I, I stand corrected. Yeah, no, not, I think that would be, I'm not someone that supports a large, like middle management of cabinet anyway, which means like the SEG group, which is interestingly enough. So, um, David Gant, who was a, one of the longest standing 
and nobody should be this long-standing. I will say this. There are things we probably cross over and believe in. I do believe that there should be term, term limits. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, because that breeds corruption, too, if mm-hmm. someone's in a seat 20, 30, 40 Absolutely. years. And limits um, growth and creativity, I believe. It does. And also, you have to change with the times, and it's really hard sometimes to change with the times. And so there's lots of benefits to, to, to that. But David Gant actually spearheaded a law that impacts really Rochester, Buffalo, Syracuse around the senior executive cabinet group. We call that group the SEG group. And that's the group that the superintendent um, by law now gets to hire um, and, and have exclusive rights of who's there, where if everyone else is done through a board resolution. So the board still also has to give the final approval on all hires except for that group that lives in central office the cabinet and um in the past right we've had superintendents have like 20 people in that cabinet that's really excessive when we have lack of staff sometimes in schools and these are individuals who are not necessarily in the day-to-day operations of a school um but there are some pieces that we do need them for right transportation is one of them someone does have to be responsible for transportation and the routes and overseeing all those things but I would argue that we do have some chiefs that we don't need, and I don't support a large cabinet for that reason. And I think it also brings further confusion for people. Um, so right now, under this current administration, we have about 16 executive cabinet members, and that includes two deputy superintendents. Um, and then the rest of the folks who reside at central office are actually mostly civil service individuals. Um, and then ASAR, which is the... Paid out of the budget, though, right? Everybody's out of the budget. Absolutely. And actually, that's the only control the board has regarding the SEG group, because um, David Gant did at one point try to... Um, even have that control removed, right, that the the superintendent can dictate how many members. Um, And to some degree that's true, but the school board would actually still have to legally approve that number, that budget for the superintendent. So I've argued in the past to remind my colleagues, like, hey, we may not have a say in the SEG group, but we do have a say in that budget. And so we can reduce that budget. There's nothing that stops the board except the board from doing a reduction. And how many of the resolutions are, um, you know, as far, well, budget, how much of the budget do you guys truly have responsibility over that is not dictated from the state? Yeah, so so that's a great, actually a great question. Um, Very small percentage. So our budget is 75% right now personnel. So that is dictated by staffing from teachers to paraprofessionals to principals to food services, custodial. Our entire workforce makes up 75% of the budget. And then we have mandates, right, for special education that we're required by law to provide. And then also for English language learners, there's a requirement to provide services there. Um, So it's a very small percentage of the budget. I would say less than 10% is what gives you the opportunity to be a little bit more innovative with what 10% you do. percent of a big budget to do something to do that's going to help. Almost a billion dollars. What about curriculum? I, yeah. I, you know, I was looking through the different committees, and I didn't see one for curriculum. Let me just tell you about curriculums very quickly. I have been on the board going on five years now, and every month there's a resolution that talks about someone's doing a curriculum. 
and and I will tell you, it drives me nuts because if we have so many curriculums or people writing curriculums or people adapting, <laughs> then what what is the curriculum? What are kids being taught? So we right now systemically have a large number of of we have state requirements, right? Like yeah, um, Common Core. Cur- that how we much have of to the, have. yeah? How much of that curriculum? Locally, do you have control over none? I understand none, and also none. But then also, there's also supplemental curriculum that's being written to go into or to supplement what's required by law. So one of the things that I've always said I would wish happened, like if I, uh, you know, I ran for assembly a couple of times. One of my one of my goals was to was to work really hard to remove the Regents Board from existence. And leaving the Department of Justice to just be a uh, education and and uh, yeah, I'm sorry, you okay. know where my mind is, right? It's how busy Boy. I am with the campaign. Um, but the 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 Department of Education left more for um, more as a function of a financial function, a resource for local education. So we're strong believers in local education. It concerns local me all the way around. All the way around it concerns me that that because it's not just the City School of Rochester. Mm-hmm. Um, it concerns me that there isn't any control or any say in curriculum. And not that there shouldn't be minimum standards. You're right. Everybody should know how to read and write. Everybody, should, you know, at a right, certain right. level, et cetera. But not top down. But not top down. Well, I will say this, too. Um, you know, if you may recall, maybe not, there's been a number of years that people in the community have asked for the state to come in and control the district. And I'm it's like, crazy. if the state had the answers, the state of public education in the entire state of New York would not look the way that it looks. Yep. So I'm always confused that people think that that's the answer. But what's interesting, um, through my fellowship, I'm part of School Board Partners, through that fellowship, um, I was able to meet school board members from Roosevelt, which is the only school district in the state of New York that the state did attempt to take over. And it's a very small school district in the state of New York. It's not even like more than five miles ratio. It's very small. Um, and they were there without an exit plan. So they took over this district. They didn't have an exit plan. It ended up costing that community and those taxpayers more money with less outcomes go, academically. So the, the outcomes that they already started with, which were poor, got even worse when the state took over for a number of years no accountability right no, no accountability well, there you start getting more red tape and wrapped up in it than in actually being able to serve the well, students so, I mean, the, this, so the state never attempted it again i just have to share that because people are constantly like rochester needs to have a state takeover i'm like the no. state no, doesn't want to take it over because no. they don't have the answer well and right and, and having that local i want to go back to you had said something that just you know so you were talking about all these different people have all these different curriculums but if you have 500 curriculums out there that people have written and you have no control over which ones to implement and the state is basically telling you, then what's the point of them writing all of the – you know what I mean? Like how does that fit together because – We're in the process of auditing that now because here's the thing, right? And, and even our reconfigurations, all of that has happened. We have nine configurations. Do you want to talk about why the district sometimes is in the state that it's in? It's in a state of chaos. That's why. There's like no order to a lot of these things. And some of these things are old and historic. Historically, the practices that people are, are doing, and when you ask them, like, hey, why are you doing that? People are like, oh, this is how we've always done 
it, but why? Why have you always done it this way? And who created this path? And and so right now we're in the process of auditing not just the curriculums, but even the configurations, because it makes it really difficult when we know we have a transient family. A lot of our families do move around a lot in the city mm-hmm. of Rochester. And if they move from one school to the other, that should not break in that child's education. That child should be able to pick up in the same curriculum and the same materials in the fourth grade in this school as if they were in school B that they're transferring to. But what often happens because of the curriculums being different is that you have a child that was learning at one curriculum with one set of standards. Now they're going to another school and it's a whole different set of standards and curriculum that's being taught. That's the break that happens for our families. We're uh, speaking with Beatrice LeBron from uh, the uh, city schools. Uh, Beatrice, we had uh, some of the school, uh, I guess some of the districts were called, they were labeled troubled districts, air quotes there. And I think East was taken over by the U of R for a while. Do you want to comment on that? How did that work out? Do we want to do that after we come back from break? Oh, well, that's up to you. I'll get into this one. No, no, go ahead, please. Yeah, so the uh, let me just say, I was actually not on the board when that agreement was made. Um, I'm not someone who has supported that partnership. Um, and I will say primarily, um, you know, colleges sometimes also struggle with educating our kids. So, you know, for me, they didn't have the, the magic bullet. But what I will say... Um, is that that partnership, what it also created, essentially was a charter school in the district. And people do not like to admit that that's what we did, but that is a charter school. They get to select who comes into their school. They get to, um, you know, if... I said this when I first came on. There were a number of English language learners, students, and special ed students that got pushed out over to Edison and Monroe. Um, but, you know, I'm battling a large corporation who has a strong communications team and tries to public relations that narrative out. But that's essentially what happened. And I would argue that it was a model that we couldn't afford because we're paying people that work at East High School. You know, for example, teachers. If you're a teacher at East for working one extra extra hour a a day, you make $10,000 more than the other teachers in the district, Um, which is insane to me. Like, why would we do that? Let's pause on that as we take a, um, yes, as we take a break. You beat the music. I did. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining Aisha and I and Miss the Honorable Beatrice LeBron from the Rochester City School District School Board and our wonderful, what is your title? Owner, producer, buddy. I don't know. <laughs> the La- great lackey. lackey. <laughs> You're an expensive lackey, though. <laughs> I keep trying to fire myself, but I can't find anybody who will work this cheap, so... Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back with the next step show on WYSL, the voice of liberty. Here's a special message for veterans and surviving spouses from Alpine Manor. You may qualify for a special benefit from the VA. After applying for funds received for aid and attendance, your stay at Alpine Manor could be as low as $600 per month. Be sure to call for details. At Alpine Manor, their pride is personalized care for seniors who are not yet ready for a nursing home. There are supervised activities and medications, full laundry and housekeeping services, three dietary-approved home-cooked meals, 
and a bedtime snack, all provided in immaculate surroundings. Be sure to call for details on this new program for the veteran in your family. Keep the golden years carefree years at Alpine Manor, nestled in the picturesque rolling hills east of 390 in Livingston County. Just 20 minutes from Rochester, New York State Health Department license. Call 346-5880. That's 346-5880 for a no-obligation tour or information. Or visit alpinemanor.com. Next to life itself, time is God's greatest gift. Every minute of your child's precious school years should be spent in devotion to truth, not some agenda. An Archangel School K-12 classic Catholic-based education fosters achievement, not conformity. Affordable, safe, small class sizes, and zero time wasted on CRT or Common Core. Your family values are honored, and parental involvement is warmly welcomed. Archangel School kids learn to soar, not march. 247-1112. Peter Vasquez and Aisha Kreutz, the next step show on the WYSL stations. Oh man, oh man, does that bring back memories. Does that bring back memories. You know, this is another one of those songs that I played for my wife when I was uh, when I was courting her and, and, and doing my, uh, my romantic what, language. What's, what's your wife's name again? Christine my wife's Dino name Vasquez. is Christine Dino Vasquez, who happens to be running for family court judge, by the way. Really? Uh, right in Monroe County. You know, it's interesting. You know what's actually not interesting? What's really sad is to be a conservative and to see a non-conservative get an endorsement. Talk about politics at its best. That just dumbfounds me. What a country, huh? And it's not even an issue of of politics, you know, for her, because she's, you know, I, I don't know, you have my wife, Aisha knows. My wife is about so non-political. She's like, <laughs> why can't I just run for office and show my qualifications? Oh, uh, that's politics, I think. That is politics. It. Anyways, we're back uh, with, with Beatrice LeBron. Hi. Thank you for <laughs> staying with us. I'm glad we didn't scare you away. Um, so, you know, in the district... Um, we spend about, or you guys spend about, not we. Well, I guess we, we, we do, pay the taxes on that one, right? About $19,800 per student. Now, I, I, and, and I know, Aisha, you had some other questions no, on, no, no. on this Go as ahead. well. But, you know, I, I worked at Charles Finney for a little while. And I know, you know, my kids all went to private parochial only because we had some issues at Rush Henrietta um, with, the, with the, the, the school and not allowing my... Uh, one of my kids, um, I think it was the second or third grade, he had a, a kid's Bible. It didn't even look like a Bible. It didn't even say Bible anywhere on it. And it was for his personal reading time. Uh, and they took it away from him because the teacher felt that uh, it looked to the animals. <laughs> it, it was weird. We, You know, we figured, you know what, at, at that particular moment, we didn't have the energy to fight those people or the time because we were focused on bigger things. We moved our kids. But I, I noticed that some of these different schools, though, these private parochial and some of the charter schools, um, are spending significantly less per pupil and seeing a significantly uh, larger result. I mean, for example, uh, I know Finney has kids that are leaving Finney. I mean, they're graduating, I believe, at about a 99%. And these aren't your, your, you know, your rich suburban kids. I'm talking about kids that came there on a scholarship that are, are growing up in some of the, the toughest neighborhoods that the city school district. And these kids are going to John Hopkins. Uh, uh, they're going to Columbia, and they're graduating at high rates. Um, 
why? What, I mean, from a board's perspective, because I, I, you know, I believe $19,885.50. The county average is about $18,200. Statewide average per student is about $22,000. And we can get into how this is broken down, but yeah. I mean, I, that'll, I that'll be a whole add, like, show. Part of like the average for New York State includes New York City, which is significantly more, more anyway for everything, cost of living right. and which, salaries. Yeah, that's and where that extra 3000 I, I think that's where that comes from, realistically. Yeah, Outside of New York City, you know, cost of living for all of the big fives are, mm-hmm. are the same. So, but um, it's only about, 30, only about what, 3300 less that right. New York, that Rochester, just one school district, though, is spending in comparison to the state average. But like a, like um, what, a, a little, like 2000 for the county, which if you think about right. it, Brighton is spending that, and they have a significantly less amount of schools. We have about yeah, But Brighton's producing 60s. a significant amount of graduates uh, that are college ready, though. Well, let me just say, I, I, I don't necessarily know if I, I would like to see an audit because I just found out that in New York State, there's no actual GPA requirement for kids to graduate, which, which is, I don't agree with, which is right. mind blowing to me. I don't agree with it either, because why would the state of as much as they want to put a control on some things? Why would they not have at a minimum a GPA requirement? Like you can't even graduate college without a minimum GPA. We do yeah. not have that in schools. You know, but but I, I would say this part. Part of our issue, too, right, again, is this large, chaotic system. We just talked about how different schools have different curriculums, so families are transient, so we have those issues. Um, we do have some schools, though, that have success. We have early college, and early college and school without walls, they're in the 90% style for graduation, and, and, and they and, have been for a number of years. Yeah, and so our listeners know, I mean, I want people to really understand that, that there are schools within the city school district, and, and, but, but do you know what the like one the common factor though. is that I've noticed within those schools that are doing great? Parent involvement. Parent involvement, but I would also say principal leadership too. Well, the right. leadership I mean, that, is that, strong, and the leadership well, is a strong advocate against. Yeah, but that too, yes, absolutely. Because if I go into a school and a principal is very welcoming to me as a parent and establishing that relationship right away, then yeah, I'm going to want to be involved and feel welcome to be involved. And not all parents, we have heard this from parents that not every school that they step into they feel welcomed. Yeah. Um, and so that that is something I, that we have to look at. I I don't know. I mean, just a little bit of a deviation because I found that most of the schools that hold an expectation of their students and hold to it see very good outcomes. You know, again, coming from the homeschooler in the group who (laughs) refuses to put my kids in government school, um, I will say, right, it was like, I mean, that was... One of the things that, you know, looking at, and I think in parochial schools and some of these other schools, um, even the world of inquiry is is um, not, you know, I think they're, um, uh, you know, not you're not going to graduate from there. Charter. Right, they're like a pseudo charter. But when you when you know, because I used to advocate for a lot of kids and parents in a lot of the Rochester City school districts um, and helping them get through some things. It was these schools that you would go into where, again, the leadership within it was like, this is the standard. And I don't care where you, you have to meet this standard. And they weren't lowering the bar consistently because whatever's happening at home, this or that, they would 
maybe give you some extra resources or say, hey, how can we help this student? But you still have to meet the standard. You know, I had and the when- opportunity to meet President uh, 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 George Bush, the second one. And we had breakfast. It was uh, probably seven or eight Ooh, of us. Look at you. And we, we all got to have a conversation. So we were asking questions. And, and so I asked him two questions. One is, how was he able to practice his faith um, while being president? You know, without it, you know, without seeming like he's... Uh, he didn't. They called him the devil. Yeah, they did. They did. <laughs> as soon as he came out um, for but, his faith. But, but the other question I asked him was, what was one of his biggest regrets? That if he can go back and be president, what, could he, what would he change and his his response was that uh, that no child left behind Bill. He says yeah. he says in, in in paper the plan was perfect in his opinion, but once he rolled it out, schools paid more or they had more of a focus on adhering to this that they started lowering standards yeah. versus holding to standards, and then we ended up with students, especially in the black and brown communities. Um, Passing with fifty people were getting uh, you know promoted to grades right, but not academically ready. And then we added, and then under Obama we added a couple more programs, which I think kind of exasperated the the issue. But isn't that the case? I mean, I'm sorry, guys. I know that I'm sitting with a board president, but that is what government always does. I'm vice president. Vice president. Sorry, you should be president. No, no. Um, But (laughs) come on. Uh, Beatrice for president for uh, school board president. Whoop whoop. Um, but but again, when we look at, I mean, how can you pass on? And again, I think it's all money related. Personally, I think that it all it has all to do has uh, to with yeah, with getting funds. Which why we should get rid of the federal Department of Education as well, um, and as well, you know, federal income taxes and bring it back to the state, and we pay the Fed instead of the other way around. And you guys would see a lot better things happening. Not but to mention, going, our schools are pushing are, are really uh, pushing this modern day slavery stuff. And in my humble opinion, um, and, and I don't know, Beatrice, maybe slavery? you see. Stuff or are you talking about? Slavery. Talking about things like uh, just because of the color of your skin, you're inferior or uh, assumed oh, gotcha. to be inferior. Racist, CRT things, the framework. What else do they call them? No, uh, the you know, we're talking about the 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 and beaches. We're gonna we're gonna have this discussion if it's okay with you. Yeah, and I don't absolutely. think you'd say no. So, but I, I do want to talk about because we don't have an education overview from what I can as I understand it on the board. But as a, but we do have a big push for things like CRT or I think it's called the framework now. Yeah. Uh, we have things like comprehensive sex education oh. being brought in. Um, I think if I remember correctly, Naisha, correct me on this. As little as kindergarten. Um, as little as kindergarten, uh, things being pushed well, that aren't. Kindergarten, but so it's, much it, let me just say it's, it is age appropriate. So, and and I have all my kids. I have so, and I didn't say this about myself in the beginning of the show. So let me just put it out there. I do have three daughters. Um, my middle child's adopted, but both all three are mine, and I raised them and um, put them through. You know, all three of them have gone through the Rochester public education system, but also. Um, I have three, two and a half grandchildren <laughs> now too. So my grandson's going to be starting EPK this year, and we're really excited. Really? Yeah, you're you have a grand. I have a grandson that a is old enough to go in and, pre-K. Yes. Oh my no. gosh! So you're older yeah. than me. I don't know. I don't know if I may be older than you. Well, I don't crack, but come on. But I know. My granddaughter's only two. Are you kidding me? No, my grandson's three. He's going to be four. Um, but, yeah. I got three grandkids, too, but they're all under two of those. Really? Pre-K? Yeah. 
So, I, and I say that because, right, it's like, I, you blood. know, right, but also, you know, I put um, my kids in the system, so I get it. Um, so, yes and no. I think there are conversations around health that five-year-olds don't get to have with their parents, right? So, when my daughters, all of them, I told, the, I taught them about touch, right? Special touches, touches that right. shouldn't be happening. But, but every parent is not right, doing that with their children. But right, but it wouldn't then the solution become come how do you know if we're going to even go down that road at all which i still don't think that it has anything to do with um education education, i don't think that they should be in that but if it was wouldn't then the solution be something more like how are we going to talk to these parents about how they can feel so let me just say it has to be both it has to be both because well because some parents you know some parents have competing like crises. This is That's how right. I, they. It's, it's really difficult it's, for them to which manage. Is why it's a home issue, and it's. I mean, again, and I, I get what you're saying, right? And again, growing up, different people, you know, have different value systems, right? And, and even when you have uh, homes that are split, how they're going to do that, which is why, right? As, as far as the government goes, as far as these educational tools goes, that's something that should be left at home and I think most parents I mean almost everybody even in the city out of the city bar none that is what most what I hear from people is that that is my responsibility whether I want to talk to them or don't how I want to talk to them but when we don't we right? end up in this, a, a lot of issues when we don't talk to but, kids about sex the way that us. they need that's, to that's the but it does end up on us I, I hear you let me just say I respectfully hear yeah. you but the outcomes of that when they don't talk to them is things like teen pregnancy but STDs it wasn't in the 60s it I, wasn't in the 50s but this, is, this is a new error yeah. I, listen I know we're in a new era and I thought let me say this too because I remember my growing up right my mom is 82 but when I was growing up my mom was used to tell me how like when Elvis Presley came out like and he was shaking his hips how like her own family was like ah you know don't right. don't do that that's so wrong and like how conservative they were in, in regards to hip shaking and like now we twerk so it, it's but, like keeping that, up with exactly. the times of how things but, change exactly right? though I mean actually that leads right into it right like it nobody should be twerking on stage and the more acceptance Especially and kids. Right, well, I mean, no, no, I'm adults, advocating for kids but, to be twerking. No, 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 <laughs> but again, you know, like how we, when we look at that education system, and then again, I look at it as playing favorites, right? And saying, hey, we're going to go almost to the co- lowest common denominator and saying, this is what we feel that all kids should know. Look, in a, this isn't here in New York yet, but um, I, I just posted um, on the blog, on the FDF, um, the Frederick Douglass Foundation New York uh, blog. Uh, an organ of an example of, of, of an example of what they're teaching in kindergarten. Now listen, I had sex and, education in the in the seventh awful. grade. It was. But it, it's it, coming it was, to all I, of us. Yeah, no, it, it's I mean, I, no. Yeah, well, I will say none of the education feels good for these kids either, or the adult. It's weird. It's a weird conversation to have with kids who are not your kids. I will say that, but it yeah, has to so, be done, so, and I, I don't think it's an either yeah. or. I think so, it's both. So, so uh, you know, I think I think our listeners are probably hearing what I'm hearing. And and, and, and and I think we could have this conversation yeah, here respectfully. Yeah, so what I hear is this. Um, from from the school board's perspective, or from your perspective at and least, let me speak not for speaking myself. for I'm not right. Speaking for, for my so colleagues, from your perspective, so <laughs> now, and that's a fair statement. That's yeah, a, make sure absolutely. we qualify. 
Um, what I hear is that government has decided in today's era, because of the way society has gone, which in our opinion, and I think in our listeners' opinion, is a product of what we're seeing coming out of government, is that they're the answer and we need to shift parents aside, um, especially those parents that are making their choice to not have that discussion today for whatever their reasons are. Um and, 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 and that the government knows better and that they should intervene regardless no, I, of what I the parents I don't want to ever say that the government knows better. Let me just be clear about that. Primarily, right? I just said the state also. People want the state to take over. I'm like, the state doesn't have the answers because it would not look the way that it looks in the landscape of public education in the entire state of New York if they did have the answer. Um, but what I will say is that, you know, everybody has a choice, right? Parents are not required to... Um, have kids stay in the district. You have the choice of homeschooling if you're not happy with what the curriculum may well, be. It's not really a choice either, though, because when we look at the funds behind it, I mean, it's we're talking choice. about our, 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 I mean, and I'm speaking for, like for myself, yeah. for example, we pay a lot of money in school taxes, yeah, right? Yeah, so too. when I, I sent my kid, oh, right, so so school choice, where if, my, if I'm like, nah, I don't like what's going on here, I want to send my kid to system. another school. You want the, uh, the or, dollars to follow the student, but that's um, unfortunately how the government is not set up, right? So, but but you still have a choice as a parent, um, even though the voucher system is not set in place in, in this state. In some states, it is. You can't. The, the the dollars do follow the student. Let's get back. Right, we're going to come right back with finishing that up um, here on ten forty WYSL, the Voice of Liberty, with Peter Vasquez and Aisha Kreutz on the next step show. My home girl. <laughs> It's summer, and Springwater Amish Workshop has a wide selection of buildings to suit your every need. You choose style, color, size, exterior product, placement of windows and doors to make it uniquely yours. Springwater Amish Sheds have the best manufacturer's warranty in the business. American-made, Amish-built, delivered to your prepared site within a 40-mile radius of Springwater. When the delivery people leave, your new building is ready to be used. Get a 3% discount when you pay by check, or you can rent to own with no credit check. Summer's in full swing. Now's the time to relax. Relax outdoors in a glider, deck chair, swing, or Adirondack chair, or play cards around the picnic table. There's premium quality and selection in stock, made from vinyl, yellow pressure-treated pine, or finished hardwood. A great yard starts at Springwater Amish Workshop. The showroom's full. They're ready to bargain. If you love wind chimes, choose from a full selection with melodic tone. From buildings to gazebos, lighthouses to wind chimes, Springwater Amish Workshop has it all. 7936 Mill Street, Springwater. Open 9 to 5 Monday through Friday, Saturday 9 to 3. Inside the Taylor Laboratories. Hey, Tony, what you doing? A little experiment, Zach. Look what I have under the microscope. Ugh, what's that? A sample of indoor air. How can it be that dirty? Don't AC and furnace filters help? Only with dust, Zach. But when Taylor installs a whole house APCO air purifier to detox the air, odors, chemicals, mold, bacteria, and viruses are removed. For clean indoor air. Yep. Ain't science awesome? Taylor. 500 help.
The Trappist monks of the Abbey of the Genesee have been baking monks bread for nearly 70 years right here in western New York, just outside of Geneseo. You'll find every variety of monks bread and many other monks specialty items at their beautifully renovated Abbey store. Or you can order online at monksbread.com. Your purchase of monks bread supports the monks' mission of prayer and hospitality. Take a short drive down 390 South and visit the Abbey store or order online at monksbread.com. Peter Vasquez and Aisha Kreutz, the next step show on the WYSL stations. Welcome back and thank you for listening to the next step show with Peter and Aisha. Guys, I really appreciate you hanging in there and sticking around with us. See, this is why we need to live stream this show. I'm, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Tell me what right, you, can't, you can't see this, ladies and gentlemen. Behind Peter, Aisha is, uh, is, is that dancing? Is that that, that was dancing. That was getting my salsa list on. I just want to make sure that you weren't like having a medical episode or something. Oh, uh, hurtful. Looked a little seizureish there. Ah. Game well, speed. I'm we're back. It's because I'm luscious. Beatrice. <laughs> right? And we Go stopped ahead. talking. <laughs> oh, man. And we, we left uh, before break talking about school choice a little bit. Um, and uh, Beatrice, finish. I know you were. Yeah, statement. no. Well, I was saying a little bit, too, is that, you know, it is a parent choice. I know the dollars don't follow necessarily, but they do follow in charters. So when that's how charters get their dollars is through student enrollment. Those Which dollars in our opinion, follow. those charter schools just became an extension uh, of, uh, of the city school. school district. And the thing is, we've spoken to a lot of people on that and, you know, that, that, that don't go. And they say, oh, those, those city charter schools. Schools, that's what they call it. That's what we hear them yeah, calling. Yeah. You know, they, they, they seem so well because they pick and choose the cream of the crop from well, like, the, the, you know, from the yeah. public schools, but they're just an extension Such to make right. the city Same school look similar. It's some of the stuff and that we've So heard. they're not our schools, but they were really started. Charters were really started to be an innovative opportunity for public education schools. And somewhere along the way, it kind of morphed into what it is now. And, but not well, just us, right? And, well, that <laughs> well, and also like across different states, school boards, charter, they vote on charter schools. We don't. And I am grateful for that. I would not want to be in that position, to be honest with you all. And, I, and I'll say to you, know, I just want to finish with this and then we have to move on. But um, maybe one of the points of um, direction, right, when we talk about a starting point of conversation, maybe is something like that with the school board saying, if you're going to say that, right, we don't like, especially with something, and again, I'll get into CRT and the LGBTQ thing, but and also like sex ad and stuff, and saying, hey, okay, I want to pull my kid out. That maybe that starting point is how do we get to a place where those tax dollars do follow me regardless of how I want to go about and doing it and really pulling that piece out because it's easy for us to say, you know, like people will be like, oh, you were rich. That's why you got to homeschool. I'm like, no, I had one bra for like uh, three months at a time and have to get another one because we made that choice in right, order to do that. We made that sacrifice. But again, I could I still was able to educate my kid on two thousand dollars, three thousand dollars a year or less, sometimes less, um, because that's what we ha- that's all we had and we had to figure it out. So, you know, maybe that's a starting point where we can say, how do we bridge that gap? And again, when we're talking about, let's say, things like the framework um, and CRT um, and how that really looks, right? I mean, like the divide that we have here between, and, and I, I want to hear, I know that um, 
you know, like how how you see that. Um, we only have a few minutes, but how you see that because I know like. For myself, you know, my kids always knew a lot of black history. You know, again, uh, William Nell, Harry, um, Harry Rimes, uh, Wentworth Chaswell, all of these people that people don't know. And in and, and, and old education, even growing up, these people were part of the curriculum. But now it seems to have morphed into something different with this framework and CRT. But go ahead. Uh, just comment a little bit. So very briefly, I know there's another topic to to touch upon, but um, three shows. I know. (laughs) You want me to drive back now? I'm I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, So let me just say, I think there people have a lot of comments around CRT, but don't actually know what the curriculum is here for the state of New York. And I will say, I do think it looks different from state to state, just because the states themselves have different, uh, you know, setups in public education and and how involved or lack of involved they are. Um, But CRT really was a curriculum out of law school mm-hmm. and I'm actually yep. in law school right no, now no, I um, I, but but I'm saying I myself as a second year law student have also been um, taught CRT from some of the law classes and actually it's important even in understanding the constitution some of the pre um, some of the laws and how they were created and how those early rulings in the Supreme Court even back in the 1800s really kind of set the precedence today for a lot of the laws that we have to follow um, so I'll just leave it at that for now and then perhaps come back another time. I know we're wrapping up on time. We're really tight. You are, look at her. She's good. She's a natural. I know, right? Um, and, and it is, you know. The Beatrice LeBron show, I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when we think about, you know, the 1800s, right? I mean, there's over 1,500 uh, black in office during Reconstruction. Yeah. Right. And, and and all of them Republican, by the way. Um, and, but they with with. Enough. Yeah, they were. You know? <laughs> and it wasn't until the Just Democrats like KKK numbers. came in and decimated a lot of those laws and changed things that we have that problem. And so, like me personally, and again, I'll give you the last point and then we'll move on. But part of my issue is right. Like. A lot of the things that are in the framework now come from a victim mentality and saying, look at all the things instead of the way that I taught my kids and um, even in the past how things were kind of broken up. It wasn't from this, oh, look at all the bad things that all these white people mostly or America did, but look at how we overcame these things that were in place way before America existed, and look at all of the, the rich history that we have um, and own here in black, I mean, in, in America as, as uh, Negroes in America. Yep. You know, and, and so I think that is really, again, that point of discussion and where there becomes this break where I'm like, I can't have my kids learning these things because of the way it's taught, not and, what it's taught. Right? Redlining? The, awful. Redlining. Well, that's the that's the modern day slavery that we talk about at the Frederick Douglass Foundation is that is that victim mentality that's coming down from from really from the state. Yeah. And uh, but let her have the last point so she can kick it back. And no, then no, we'll I'm going to leave it at that point because okay. we, we'll 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 debate yeah, we'll that. <laughs> and, and, and if you if you come Maybe back, we'll have you on. But I, I, real quick though. But I respect that we all have different yeah. perspectives, and yeah. I think that's what's missing in today's society anyway. Yeah. Why, just put that out there. Why does the board, if we can, just a quick answer, why does the board want to get you off so bad? 
So only one commissioner, which is Commissioner Powell, like I mentioned earlier. The one she's that called the, you ghetto? Yeah, the one that called me ghetto and, and then wrote just Isn't crazy she white? stuff. So. Not that race matters, but I'm curious. No, she is. And um, ironically, you know, she tried to file a petition to have me removed yeah, for yeah. not participating in an anti-racist training, which let me just let you all know that I do anti-racist training myself. Like I go out and do workshops and presentations and have these conversations because I do think there has to be a strike of a balance, right? Um, but there was a reason why I didn't, and then hopefully maybe it'll come out in the next week or two where we're working on it. Um, but you know, nothing's going to happen with that petition. Again, mm-hmm. as a law student, I read it. I, I did have to hire a lawyer um, to respond back, but it is really a waste of taxpayer dollars and time. I, I'll tell you, I had to watch that video a few times. Listeners, friends, we have the Honorable Beatrice LeBron. Thank you Thank so you. much for coming on our show. And, you know, if you live in Rochester and your students attend the Rochester City School District, how can they get a hold of you if they wanted to ask you a question? Um, actually, Facebook, it's Beatrice with a Z, LeBron like LeBron James. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'm on all social media platforms. And it's Beatrice.LeBron at RCSDK12.org. You are awesome. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, it's now time. Now, Free Soup with Aisha Kreutz. John Ramirez was a Satan-worshipping witch until about 20 years ago when he was saved. Uh, My husband showed me this quote from his book called Armed and Dangerous. It says, now that we are believers, we treat everything on the dark side that opposes us with white gloves. And that's crazy. Trust me, my beloved brothers and sisters. The devil does not wear white gloves. He has a spiritual sledgehammer and he wants to pound us like we are pinatas. I tell you today, you have to take off the white gloves and get into the fight against the enemy of your soul, turning the tables on him through the power, fire, and Shekinah's glory of Lord Jesus Christ. Let everything burn to ashes in the kingdom of darkness forevermore in Christ Jesus. I was reminded when I read that, that back in the day when America still had men that would fight for constitutional honor, Barry Goldwater said, extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice, and moderation in the pursuit of justice is no virtue. Can you imagine if President Donald Trump or Governor Ron DeSantis ever said something like that? The most of our little expert losers who run our party would faint and they would wake up and start whining about how they got their dirty, their white gloves all dirty. So I want to ask you, isn't it time that we turn and round up all these white glove Republicans and free them from their virtual uh, re-education camps that Democrats have created to keep them weak-minded. It's time to outlaw the white gloves and take it up a notch. How do we do that? Well, the call is coming. It's time to put on the full armor of God. Grow powerful in union with the Lord and his mighty strength. Put on the belt of truth, waste, and put on your righteousness for bless your righteousness for a breastplate and wear on your feet the readiness that comes from the good news of shalom always carry your shield of trust with which you will be able to extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of deliverance along with the sword given by the spirit that is the word of god as you pray at all times with all kinds of prayers and requests in the spirit and that is what god's people are called to do i love free soup There will be a link to that on our website coming up soon, but they can 
download or, or, or take the text. You, you put it up in our on the I put fit. it on the Frederick Douglass Foundation uh, page right now, um, and it's always longer. I always have to cut it for uh, for this. So if you go on the blog and read it, you'll get a fuller picture of it. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for hanging out with Aisha and I today. Thank you, uh, Beatrice, for hanging out with us thank today. Thank you all. Thank you. Absolutely. You know, I love being a grandfather, so I know what it feels like to have that. Can't wait till he starts. I can't believe he's two. But ladies and gentlemen, if you want to advertise with us, please feel free to send me a message at Peter at uh, NextStepShow.com or call the station and talk to Bob and let him know you want to advertise with Next Steps at 346-3000. Do you like our show? Do you want to have a com- share a comment? Do you want to come on the show? Same thing. Give me a call. 585-880-7580 is my cell. I look forward to hearing you next week. Oh, by the way, uh, you know that's, a, that's an inspiring thing you said there, Peter. Uh, we have a special uh, new advertiser deal that we are extending. Anybody who wants to advertise, if you sign up for Next Steps, Peter will come vacuum your car. All right. At no additional charge, he'll show up in your driveway with his little vacuum sucker. And I'll record your commercial while I do it to be heard by 1.6 million people throughout upstate New York. There you got it. All right. 10.40 a.m. The Voice of Liberty. Don't forget our podcast. WYSL1040.com. See you next time.